how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Three Dudes Reviews featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and our special reoccurring plus one guest star, Dan. Hey, <laughs> welcome back, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we got news. He's he's joining the crew. Yeah, officially. Thanks for joining. Oh, yeah. At this point, he might as well be a member. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. So so we'll have some changes coming up, but we'll talk about that towards the end. So this episode, we're doing something a little different. We've never done this before. This was kind of Fox's uh, brainchild. You want to talk about it, Fox? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's about um, the fire Festival, uh, this kind of scam thing that went down, a festival in the Bahamas, uh, got big through social media, which I don't know. Are any of you guys big on social media? <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, are, are you talking like the, the Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat? Instagram. Don't forget that. Instagram's a good one. Reddit. Ooh, Reddit, the only one I use. <laughs> I had no idea what this was, man. What you're about to talk about, I had no idea what this was. Yeah, it was this big like um, festival that was the brainchild, as you kind of said, of uh, Billy McFarlane and Ja Rule, a rapper. And their whole thing was that they were going to get a whole bunch of artists together on this like private island in the Caribbean or something that was owned by like some famous cartel dude. But then turned out that it might be like a huge scam and it was a big bad deal. I think some people are in prison, but the only reason I even care, even know, is that one day I hop onto Netflix and it's like, in four days, Fire Festival documentary. And then I get onto Hulu another day later and it's like, check out Fire Festival. And I was like, what? So Hulu got some free advertising, I guess for fire because of Netflix? Is that how that works? I guess so. I mean, like, it's like some kind of weird streaming war. I mean, I thought they were kind of bros, but... <laughs> Netflix released all the trailers. Now here's pretty much our version of it. Yeah, it was weird. I've got an actual conspiracy theory behind both the documentaries for this, Ooh. but I'll, I'll get into that a little later after we've discussed both of them some more. So give it more context. I'll go grab my tinfoil hat. Yeah, Where's my where's where's my red thread and uh, my 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 tax at? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna do something a little different. We're gonna kind of I guess review these documentaries and I, I guess whatever else you know we we talk about <laughs> with this. So it's gonna be kind of hard to talk about both these because they're both named Fire, but the Hulu one. Is named Fire Fraud, right? Yep. Okay. So on Rotten Tomatoes, Fire Fraud has a 75% tomato meter, which that's the Hulu one. And then the Netflix one has a score of 92%, and it's just called Fire, F-Y-R-E. That's a pretty big gap. Yeah. And then if we go over to IMDb, um, the Netflix one, Fire, has 7.3 out of 10, and the Hulu one has a 6.9 out of 10 user score. Seems like the Netflix one has some higher scores, but not bad scores for either of them, I guess. Yeah, it seemed like people thought they were about the same. I don't know. The Fire Festival was this massive scam that was set up by Ja Rule and uh, this dude named Billy McFarland, where they used... Instagram influencers, which was like uh, top people on Instagram, like the models and stuff, to market this uh, festival that was going to be on an island in the Bahamas. And it worked. It got a lot of people interested in it. But the people putting on this event didn't know how to put on this event. And so it was a massive fail. A bunch of people came there. Nothing was set up. 
all the bands backed out. They ended up canceling it, and they took lots of money from the people who bought tickets to this thing. And it goes even deeper with like the people on the island in the Bahamas, and it's just a huge mess. And that's, I guess, the best synopsis I can give of it. <laughs> Billy McFarlane's in jail right now, correct? For six years for the whole thing. Uh-huh. Or is it two? I think it was like six. Yeah, he got six. I think he is serving it right now. Yeah, is that what they said at the end there, right? I think so. So how do we want to break this review out? Do we want to talk about like the production aspects of the documentaries? And then maybe go into commentary on the story and stuff? I, I don't know how to review this. Well, I guess... I'll start off saying I really like the uh, the production aspect of the Hulu one. I think more so than the Netflix one. I think it's got a little more variety, like in terms of like how they like compose the interviews. The shots are very varied and they're kind of interesting to look at. Whereas the Netflix one, they just do the same shot for every person they interviewed. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even notice that, but yeah, you're completely right. I think the Hulu one at least visually like looked a lot cooler and. It had some fun, like, little animation stuff in there thrown in, too. I think I kind of enjoyed that. I thought it livened things up a little bit. Yeah, the meme stuff was kind of cool. Like, uh, I don't know, they threw in the whole internet culture thing. That was kind of amusing. Had more flair to it. It's actually on Hulu labeled as a comedy, along with being a documentary, which I found interesting. You could see it. I did laugh a lot more because they were trying to be funny in the Hulu one, whereas in the Netflix one, I laughed because of how outrageous the whole situation was. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the Netflix one definitely tried to take a more serious tone about it, whereas the Hulu was kind of more look how ridiculous this is, or just keep and like look, it's just going to keep getting worse. If you thought that was crazy, watch this, that kind of stuff. I'd agree with that up until the end of the Hulu documentary which um, is a big difference between the two as well, I think. Because, yeah, the Netflix one stays pretty serious throughout the whole thing on, hey, this was pretty bad. This Billy guy scammed everybody and he should be in prison for what he did. Whereas the Hulu one outright attacks not just Billy, but Ja Rule and then Jerry Media, who did the marketing campaign for the Fire Festival. They attacked Billy, who they got in there to interview, and they basically call him a liar on camera and give video proof of him lying during the interview. Uh, they get the um, Jerry Media guy. They attack him at the end, too, saying, you guys were complicit in this because you knew it wasn't going to work and yet you did nothing about it and kept marketing the thing like it was going to go on. And he did so much that the guy they interviewed ended up being like, F you guys, and then left. And then they also called for Jaw Rule's head at the end of the documentary too because he got off scot-free essentially. It's interesting because they use that comedy to put you in like a good mood and then at the very end it turns into a witch hunt with the hulu one and you're like holy crap <laughs> whereas the um, netflix one it's just it stays the same tone throughout the entire documentary yeah they do get more antagonistic in the hulu one i think for sure whereas i think the netflix one tries to stay a little more um i mean they obviously are like this is not a good thing but they don't like go out of their way to actually physically <laughs> insult and attack somebody they're more professional i felt yeah but then again there could be some interesting biases there too if you don't mind because i guess this kind of just 
<laughs> kind of just segues into what I wanted to bring up about these two documentaries. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. So the Netflix documentary, it basically focuses solely on Billy for the most part, being like this guy's a con job, scam artist to the extreme. He knew this wasn't going to work and yet he did it anyways. Okay. So they just focus mainly on him. And at the very start, like halfway through, they focus a lot on the before and the planning of the festival and how good the marketing was and like how genius the marketing campaign was. And they really do a good job of setting up why that marketing campaign was a great marketing campaign and why it worked so well. And then they go more into the actual like festival and the disaster and the planning for it. Whereas the Hulu one not only focuses on Billy, but it focuses on Jerry Media and Ja Rule. And it doesn't focus so much on the actual festival. It kind of just talks about everybody involved and how they are complicit with everything and they should have all been charged just like Billy was. And it's really interesting because if you noticed right at the end of them interviewing the guy from Jerry Media in the Hulu documentary, right before he's like, F you guys and walks off, they play a little thing at the right when he's leaving that says um, Jerry Media is currently working on their own documentary on the Fire Festival. So if you do some digging, you can see that the producer of the Netflix documentary is the guy who created Jerry Media. So I think that Hulu got started on theirs first and like brought in the Jerry Media guy super early in. And then uh, they figured out, oh, these guys are after us to try and get us in more trouble, we got to counter with our rebuttal, basically. And so they may, they might have been working on the fire documentary already, but then they're like, okay, so we're going to set this up and show how our marketing campaign was really good and all that stuff, show how good a job we did, but then pivot it to focus on the real bad guy, in their opinion, who was Billy. So that's my whole conspiracy theory on on these two documentaries. I think the Netflix one may have been an answer to the Hulu one since it was so antagonistic. Yeah, that could be. It was definitely kind of weird. I think even Billy at one point, one of the documentaries, I don't remember which exactly, it was like he had hired the Jerry Media people or some film crew to film like everything they were doing because he was planning on making a movie as well to like <laughs> stop the backlash of his own failure at the fire festival. Yeah, that's right. That didn't go anywhere though. <laughs> nope. Nope. It did not. I don't think that would have saved him. Yeah. So when me and Terry watched, uh, the Hulu one together at the end of it, yeah, it said Jerry Meadey's working on their own. And I said to Terry, I was like, man, I bet that's the Netflix one. And yeah, Terry looked it up and was like, yeah, that's the Netflix one. So yeah, I completely agree with that point. It just seems real fishy, yeah. The whole thing was weird. Like, it makes sense why the Netflix one wouldn't necessarily focus on the negative side of Jerry Media's involvement and stuff because it was produced by them. Now, I don't know if that means like how heavily involved they were because they might have just had so much footage that they're just like, here, just take all this and do what you want with it. Or if they were like super involved with it. I don't I don't know exactly how 
involved they were, but... I don't know either. That's why I said it's my conspiracy theory. To give credit where credit's due, I was... Because I got real into looking all this up the other day when I figured that out. I went on to the producer's Twitter page or whatever, and it looks like he actually gave... I think 30,000 bucks to the bar owner down in the Bahamas who ended up having to give her life savings to her employees since they didn't get paid for the fire festival or whatever. So he is trying to make amends, which is a good thing. I also found out that the Netflix documentary was supposed to have Billy on it and they were going to give like 12% of the proceeds from having him on there or whatever to relief for the Bahamas for the whole thing. But Billy backed out and went to Hulu because they were giving him a lot of money to be on there and he just got to keep all of it. So Hulu's not the good guy either. <laughs> it makes sense because I was, I was asking Mike during the <laughs> the movie, I was like, why did he even agree to come on to this set? He's obviously going to be framed as like the bad guy here. He was paid. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of felt like he was almost like, like he had planned that whole uh, kind of thing there to like look the way he was. And I don't know. It just seemed kind of scripted to me. Yeah. He could be playing it up. I don't know. It just, it, it looked too good. Also, I guess since we're comparing the two, I don't I don't really like when documentaries bring people in basically to trap them there and then berate them, kind of like what Hulu ended up doing at the end of theirs. That one guy who does a lot of that is Michael Moore and his documentaries. Like I watched his Bowling for Columbine documentary or whatever that they did in school once. Coming out of that, like it just made me hate the guy pretty much. It's like, first of all, he filmed a terrible documentary where it's basically him going around years after the shooting there and basically guilt tripping people into getting his way on the documentary. So after watching that, I'm always been, I guess, had my eye out and have a big distaste for when documentary people do that to the people they bring on. It's not very professional, I don't think. He wants a certain outcome. He doesn't like go in there to ask a question and get whatever they want. He wants them to have a specific reaction, which has a weird bias to it. You know, like he's wanting to get the answers that he wants to hear, not what they want to say necessarily when people like antagonize their interviewees. Yeah, which in my opinion, that's not the point of a documentary. The point of the documentary is to show all the facts and everything that happened because everybody's biased. Whoever's making the documentary can conclude it with their interpretation of what should have happened, but you shouldn't bring in people just to trap them and berate them to get the outcome you want. You got to present the facts so that everybody is on the same page. And then, yeah, you got to just treat them with respect. I mean, yeah, the guy is a scumbag, but still. It kind of feels like gotcha journalism a little bit or kind of, you know. And I mean, he did get paid money to be on there too, so I don't... Yeah, I mean, it was like he, he chose to be there. And I mean, it's not like you don't just go blind into interviews. I mean, you send people the script. Like, it just seemed too perfect almost. I don't know. I'm not going to say. I don't want to. It's You have to trust the integrity of the filmmaker, I guess. I don't. What I'm getting from this, like, Dan, when you're talking about documentaries, you're thinking more like of a science or technology documentary, you know, where they just are putting down the facts. But when you do documentaries over events like this, it's going to go to the political bias of the director, whoever's 
making this documentary is going to put their bias in there. Because like at the end of the Hulu one, they were like showing pictures of Trump, you know, and I was like, man, this is super political. Whereas the Netflix one was political as well, but more professional about it. I'm totally fine with them putting their little spin on it, but I think it would better serve the documentary and be be more genuine if they just laid out everything and then at the end of it, that's when the director interjects their points and what they gather from the thing and stuff like that. I also hate the gotcha journalism. Basically everything that spawned the fire Festival, I dislike all that type of stuff. So I'm a little biased admittedly to it, but I think it could be done with more tact more respect. I yeah, I kind of agree with you, Dan. Like, let the interviewee, no matter who they are, tell their side of it, and then take what from that what you will, kind of thing. And then at the end, kind of you can put together something, a message if you want, or just let the audience interpret it however they want. It's kind of weird to yeah be like, are you a liar? Are you you know like just start <laughs> <laughs> yeah just dissing him. That was kind of awkward. I thought it definitely proved their point, but. They did it in a very negative way, I guess, whereas the Netflix one gets the same point across that he's a liar and probably like a sociopath when it comes to scamming people or whatever. But they did it in a lot better way, I think, than the Hulu one did. I may be completely wrong with this, but it felt to me like the Hulu one was made by some kids who just got out of probably college and they're very you know political they're charged about this and this event heated them and they wanted to get back and try and say look at all these scumbags you know and i think that comes across with how it was kind of memey whereas the netflix one just seemed to be made by people who i don't know maybe older documentary makers who have passed that point that's kind of what it seemed to me like the tone and the way they presented their narratives. Well, and these guys are also, um, they did Welcome to Lee, which is like a super controversial documentary. It was like really uh, hot for a while there. I've never even heard of it. It's it's like about like this old racist guy in this middle of nowhere town and people don't like him because he's racist. And uh, But like the documentary didn't like shed like a negative light on him. It was just like, here's the facts. He says he has the right to be racist, but... People don't like him. And it like escalated a lot and got really nasty, but the documentary was kind of gray on the whole thing is what I've heard, but I haven't seen it. Gotcha. That's interesting. That's kind of what I would want out of a documentary is just provide all the facts and then let me decide what I think about it. Or then at the end, the documentary people can put what they think about it too. So it's it's interesting that it's a very controversial documentary because it's doing that. I mean, the topic is a really hot topic at the moment too, so <laughs> that doesn't help it any. But I kind of liked the tone of the Hulu one though. I thought it was more entertaining than the Netflix one. It kept my attention better. And I do think there's a definitely something to be said about actually at least having Billy McFarlane in their documentary. I kind of give them props for like, having him in the studio and like interviewing him as well, getting his side of things, even if they do at the end antagonize him. But there's some props there to like actually have the guy himself there. I was not expecting it because I watched the Netflix one first. So I had all that stuff 
in my brain. And then I turn on the Hulu one and look who shows up, Billy McFarland. And I was like, holy crap, they got him on here. Wow, he's got some balls. <laughs> yeah, I think I said the same thing to Terry when we started watching. I was like, what? He's, they got him to come in? Yeah, so I, I did the uh, the Hulu one first, actually. But I, I had seen that he would be on it and had got some kind of backstory on him and his whole uh, previous business ventures. So it was kind of, I guess, the reverse for me, seeing him and then the other Netflix kind of side. I didn't know anything about Fire App or the Fire Festival or about these documentaries until uh, you suggested it last week. I mean, I I definitely would not have if it wasn't for this whole Hulu Netflix thing. <laughs> kind of out of our usual wheelhouse. Yeah, it's hard to critique a real life event. Like, you can't just be like, well, I liked it until the plot point where Billy decided not to pay the food workers. That just didn't make sense to me. Why didn't they just change it to make him pay? It's like, you can't do that with real life, you know? Mm-hmm. Something I did want to talk about, though, is, you know, how you said, Dan, that the Netflix one focused on the marketing campaign so much. I honestly think that marketing campaign was genius. Yes, 100% genius. Especially for our our generation, you know, because you go to those influencers and they have, um, I don't even know how many followers they probably have. I don't follow any of them on anything. I don't really care, you know. We're not the traditional millennials. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of people that they reach just through those influencers is insane. I mean, it led people to pay, you know, $250,000 for a ticket. That's crazy. I just was like, that kind of blew my mind because I know at school they tell us, you know, you got to have your social media campaigns all set up and everything. But I hadn't ever seen one that was, you know, successful like this. Yeah, no joke. And I mean, the, the product they're selling is like actually like a cool idea. If they would have been able to pull it off, if he would have had maybe like two or three years to plan this thing and actually do it legit, it could have been a huge, huge thing. I'd almost want to go to this. I mean, it's not really. <laughs> my type of music but it seems like it'd be really cool and like fun like going like on the cruise ships and stuff instead of using six months do two years yeah <laughs> i've heard this before that uh our generation millennials they want to spend their money on experiences instead of uh physical things you know like other generations probably did and like don't remember which documentary they said in i think it was the netflix one and it was the older guy saying that he just kept thinking like this might be the next woodstock you know and if they would have been able to pull this off right i think it probably would have been something similar because they were selling an experience that you know people were willing to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for and they did yeah <laughs> and they lost it all <laughs> ouch and people <laughs> kind of stray away from that this was all marketing for their app, their talent booking app. And now that doesn't even exist. Ja Rule took it with some other guy that do it now. And it's not even that good of an idea, I don't think. It seems like a weird app to be able to like try to book a celebrity. I don't know. I mean, if you were like a booking agent, I mean, you know, like if you were like big in the industry, it might be kind of useful. I, I, I could see it being handy for like club owners. 
Oh, that's true. Yeah, for like the average, I guess it would be you'd have to pay a lot of money. That's probably where they'd make all their money. It's just the big spenders. Yeah, I think it would have you know made money, made probably a lot of money because it's kind of like the mobile games. You go for what do they call them? The sharks? Oh, the whales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whales. Yeah, the the people who are gonna spend you know two thousand dollars on your microtransactions in game, but it was just a different market. People who would spend you know. 10,000 to have Ja Rule show up for 10 minutes to your birthday. Very niche, but yeah, I guess the big spenders would make up for it. That's like, I don't even make that cash in <laughs> two months, you know? How, how do I become an influencer? Yeah, I want to be an influencer. TV, the new influence, trendsetter. People can pay me <laughs> to hang out with them and to like take pictures of things. <laughs> I could do this. Let's make an app. Yeah, that sounds like us. Everyone follow me on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> Make my dreams come true. <laughs> well, they said something in there too. I don't remember which documentary it was. And they were talking about Billy. I think it was the Netflix one. And somebody was saying like he wanted to live this glamorous celebrity life that he wasn't getting to live. He just kind of looks out of place in there to me. <laughs> in all the promotional shots they have of him. I guess that explains to me a lot of why he does the things that he does because if you look at his past businesses they were all built off of a good idea where he ends up scamming people and then having the scam people to get the money for the other people he scammed and it kind of was a vicious loop and a vicious cycle so it makes sense to me that he just keeps coming up with these I guess really get rich quick schemes so that's kind of what the fire thing was because he wanted to get the fire festival going out to all the the rich people through the influencers to get all the money super quick it just didn't work because he has no experience in that thing and didn't realize that it takes more than 6 months to plan a festival in a <laughs> an island with no infrastructure i think he's a really smart guy like he's very savvy when it comes to like talking with like investors and getting people on board with something he's he's a smooth talker and he can like convince you to do stuff and he does yeah have decent ideas too he he could have been successful if only he hadn't kind of screwed over hundreds of people yeah i think uh, what is it the hulu documentary said something about there's this uh concept of you know boys doing business you don't know, really know what the business is but they're doing some business like you know like look at like american psycho and the yuppie guys you know they're working in that office building you don't really know what they're doing but they're making some money and i think that really yeah sums up this dude <laughs> yeah i don't think he ever had like a specific goal he just wanted to be successful and keep moving that kind of was what it felt like if i look at billy as a character in a movie for me he kind of just seems like a guy who wants to live this luxurious high lifestyle you know like rich people be one of these influencers on instagram and live a lifestyle like them but he can never do it unless he gets to it through scamming people. That's kind of how I take Billy and his character. Yeah, he's the guy who's going to do whatever it takes by any means necessary to get what he wants. I think the guy is a mad genius because somehow he was always finding more money, getting more money from people. Like they would always say in the documentary that uh, they would need, you know, another $2 million and Billy would get on a plane, go to New York and he'd come back with $3 million or something, you know? You know, he's almost like a poor man's criminal to me, I guess. 
You know, he's, yeah, can talk fast and sell things. But, like, I think about, like, other kind of famous con men, you know, like Frank Abagnale and Jordan Belfort. You know, those guys survived for years and years scamming people and making millions upon millions. And, you know, Jordan Belfort is still wildly successful, like, as a prison inmate. So, I don't know. I feel like this guy, he's a fast talker, but that's where it ends, is he lacks other skills to really uh, not be caught and then be poor and sued for millions. Didn't at the end of the Hulu one, they said something like he was setting up a business while he was in prison. Yeah, music industry business. He's still going, you know? Well, everybody in both documentaries, too, they said as soon as he gets out of prison, we're probably going to start hearing from him again with whatever he comes up with next so i'll be interested to see what happens when he's out he'll probably keep well i say that i say he'll probably keep a lower profile but i don't know we'll see he didn't after the fire festival he just went and scammed people again back at it (laughs) which is it was interesting because the netflix documentary it felt like when they got to that portion of it they didn't really know why he did that again whereas the hulu one it actually sets it up by going in detail about his past ventures and how he did used to sell tickets or whatever. Before he came out with Magnesis, he was selling tickets or whatever. So it made sense that he would go back to the one thing that he knew how to do real well after the fire Festival debacle. Well, he got somebody else to be the face of his new hustles, you know? Yeah, yeah, but he was doing the same thing he was doing. Mm-hmm. He realized his name was, you know, going through the mud and he needed somebody else to take over. Yeah, I think I think he's just got something weird in his brain that's like, well, you know, this is what I do. This is my career. I have to keep doing this. It's the only way he knows how to make money. So, so we have anything else we want to talk about or should we move into our overall presentations, I guess? I don't think I got anything left. Oh, a scale. Yeah, how are we going to do this exactly? <laughs> you could subscribe to the service for it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true, because you can't buy DVDs if they're on Netflix or Hulu. What if we apply a scale to each one and then say which one we thought was superior, maybe? I don't know. But yeah, let's just keep it simple and say yay or nay for either of them, I guess. I don't know if it'll vary that much. And then you can just say which one you like the best. Sounds good. These documentaries, you know, they cover the same thing, but they go about it in, you know, such different tone and narrative, like we were saying earlier. I think I like the more professional approach that the Netflix documentary had. The um, Hulu one was enjoyable to watch, you know, at the start, but them kind of throwing in their politics at the end really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Where I was like, man, why, why'd you do that? That's just a little too much. This event's already ridiculous and we get the point, you know. So if you're interested in these and this event and documentaries of this style, they're both pretty good documentaries. I would give them both a watch if you're into that stuff. But I think the Netflix one has my vote as the superior one because it's more professional. Similar to what Mad Mike said, you know, they they essentially give the same info, but presented in pretty different ways. The Hulu one, there's even a narrative to it, you know, like a rise and a fall kind of a there's a lot of setup moments where they kind of show you something and then go, but wait, 
here's this. And it makes it flashy. It's catchy. It's well-produced. But the Netflix one has a lot more um, almost heart, I guess. I don't know. You feel bad for the people. It has a lot more of the employees and kind of the victims of this whole thing outside of the, you know, the millennials who bought tickets to the event. They're definitely both worth a watch if you're looking for a documentary. Neither one is bad, but I definitely think the professionalism of the Netflix one makes it the better of the two if you're looking to get more facts, it seemed like. Yeah, I watched them kind of back to back on the same day, and they do cover kind of the same stuff. I watched the Hulu one first, and then I watched the Netflix one, and I kind of feel like that left me a little like biased because... With the Hulu one, I didn't really know anything about it, and so I was learning a lot of new stuff. And then with the Netflix one, it was kind of retreading some steps. They had some different people, some different perspectives, which is nice. But I do like the Hulu one because of its its style, its flashiness. They kind of make it more entertaining, I think, whereas the Netflix one is serious. And I think there's a stance for both of them to be legitimate. But I think I'm going to go with the Hulu one just because I liked watching it better. I know they kind of do antagonize some of their interviewees, but I think that the rest of it kind of overshadows that and their politics stuff didn't really offend me so much or anything. So I wasn't too perturbed by it. I was just there to be entertained at that point, I think. So I'm picking Hulu, but I'd give them both a watch. They'd both get to watch it from me. Yeah, it's interesting trying to compare these two because I completely think that the Hulu one is the better made documentary of the two, but kind of just spoils it there at the end by harassing the captive interviewees so much so that they end up leaving and one of them just like F you guys and then leaves basically. So that kind of spoils that one for me, even though, yeah, it's set up more like a traditional storytelling medium. It's got more style. It's more enjoyable to watch, whereas the the Netflix one is still a good documentary, but it it relies more on just the ridiculousness of the subject matter to keep you interested, I guess. It doesn't really do anything special like the Hulu documentary does to make it stand out, really. But it's, it's a hard choice for me because I do think the Hulu one's superior but it's so unprofessional at the end, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Whereas the Netflix one, it's not as engaging, unless you've never heard of the Fire Festival before. But it's more professionally done, and it has more tact to it than the Hulu one does. Then again, I say that, and one of the producers on the Netflix one is from Jerry Media, who did the marketing for the Fire Festival. So, like we said earlier, we don't know at all how much he was involved in the production or anything. We just basically have to guess. But just having his name on there as a producer is enough to make me skeptical of a lot of things. So, it's hard to pick. I definitely recommend watching both of these. Just keep in mind the Hulu one's going to get pretty nasty at the end of it. I think this one, guys, is going to come down to my personal tastes and how how I think a documentary should go and how people should behave during it. Because objectively, the Hulu one is better. But I'm going to say that I prefer the Netflix one over the Hulu one just because of how they end up treating their 
interviewees, or at least the ones involved with the Fire Festival and the Hulu one, totally unprofessional at the end, really left a sour taste in my mouth and kind of spoils the rest of it for me. So I'd recommend watching the Netflix one if you have to pick between the two. So I guess that rounds out to the Netflix one as the superior one, but all of them around are a watch it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, thanks for tuning in to us tonight, guys. We really appreciate it. There's going to be some changes coming up. We might have a name change here pretty soon. Also, we've been tossing around doing a kind of rotating cast where there's still just three of us, but it'll include, you know, Dan, Mike, Fox, or myself. And one will be not there at a time. I don't know, just to kind of change it up a little bit, have a little bit more variety. But I don't know. We'll see. We haven't really figured that part out yet. There'll just be some changes coming down the line. Yeah. So prepare yourself. Terry, you want to hit us with the social media? Yeah. So if you want to talk to us, maybe tell us your opinion on the documentaries, which one you liked more. You can hit us up on Facebook. You can hit us up on Twitter, both at Three Dudes Reviews. And then you could also email us at Three Dudes Reviews Podcast at gmail.com. And that's the word three, not the number three on all this. So yeah, hit us up. We want to know what you thought about these documentaries. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Get in touch with us. We'd love to hear what you have to say. So I think what we're going to do for our next category is kind of have our own Oscars, I guess, our best movies of 2018, our favorites. We're each going to pick it. I guess it might be kind of predictable how we're going to sway on a lot of these movies, but (laughs) at least it'll be a fun discussion. Yeah. Yeah, look out, Academy. We're coming in. Well, thanks for listening to us tonight. We're going to sign off. Mm -hmm.